Starting in three, two, one. All right. I am back for another episode of Daredevil Season 1. This is episode 4, titled Into the Blood. And what an appropriate title, because there's going to be quite a bit of blood in this episode coming later on. We start here with the uh, Russian brothers uh, getting their backstory to where they to where they come from, M- much in the same way that uh, in the first couple episodes we get uh, where Matt comes from, his origin story, and in episode eight where we're going to get uh, Wilson Fisk's uh, backstory. Here we're just getting a little backstory um, with the two Russian brothers, Anatoly and uh, Vladimir. Uh, because actually the Russians are really, really big adversary to Daredevil this season. Um, he faces the Russians pretty much for half of the season, um, which is pretty tremendous when you consider um, Wilson Fisk is who he's trying to get to. Um, Madame Gao, Nobu, um, and Leland, all those guys um, don't take up half an episode that daredevil has to go through um so the russians uh starting from the top with the with the brothers here um pose probably the biggest uh physical threat to uh to the man without fear and so we're getting a little backstory as to where they came from and also sort of their uh brotherly relationship and their kind of um bond that they have with each other that's going to carry them through through thick and thin um, this shot actually reminds me a lot of, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine when, uh, when Wolverine is in jail with his brother, uh, Sabretooth. Um, and then they get a shot by a firing squad and, and it tickles them. So, um, I don't know. It just, it just sort of reminds me of that. Sorry to ruin it for you guys. I'm sure every time you see it now, you're going to think of, uh, Wolverine, which is, uh, just pretty funny. Um, there's not a lot of like hero shots um, uh, in, in the show with, with Daredevil, um, which I think is really great. Um, but here it is coming up right here as he's standing in the window, breathing heavily, and he just uh, just beat the hell out of the Russian and dropped him out the window. He has a really bad habit of dropping people uh, down a window, especially Russians. He, uh, I don't know, it's like a running gag with him. You know, he likes dropping. Them off of, off of tall buildings but that shot is really cool like it, it it really shows like that in the writing process it probably wasn't there like there wasn't any notes of like oh here's a hero shot um because i'm sure with like uh the location uh scouting that they're doing um within new york city like really like in the streets of new york um i'm pretty sure that they were um more uh opportunistic as to um, as to where they were shooting they probably saw a good opportunity um, for it to be a good like hero shot um, and also in other parts of the series as well Um, but not too many hero shots which which I think is great makes it grounded um, and I'm glad that they're not really playing up to it or having it be distracting to like the rest of the story. It's just, Oh, there he is standing there, you know, on the, on the window and it looks cool. Um, 
I remember when there was this, uh, when the Electra DVD came out, uh, if you were one of the first to purchase it, um, you would get like a little, uh, like a little uh, comic book, the size of the DVD. It would come in like the DVD case uh, in the little slit on the left. Um, and they did that for the Punisher and Electra as well, um, which attempted to like bridge the Daredevil movie with the Electra movie. And I, I swear to you, there it, it has the exact same shot of Daredevil standing in a window, uh, looking out a window of like a like a warehouse building or or something like that, and it's like shot for shot. So was that shot inspired by the Electra movie tie-in comic? Uh, of all things, probably a little bit of a reach, but um, but I thought that that was pretty uh pretty funny. Um. Here is Matt with Claire, um, continuing their uh, their professional relationship, um, and seeing it turn into more of a romantic relationship a little bit. They're being playful here. Um, is Marvel allergic to doing fully fledged relationships? I don't know. It's something that you know, rom coms are like a kiss of death. So you have to really treat romances really delicately and really carefully um they kind of shy away from it in the in the films you know with steve rogers um you know and peggy carter you know there's a relationship there but it's more insinuated um they don't really they don't really have like an official relationship throughout the the whole first movie that that he has um but it's kind of implied um the same thing with tony stark you know that relationship is is implied um so uh, are are they staying away from relationships or are they doing their best to just say oh that's something that goes on in the background um i don't know if that's the case but actually what what's going on here is this is being true to matt and his life and it is showing that you know he doesn't really have the space or the time uh to conduct a a normal uh, romantic relationship this is really how matt does conduct his relationships you know he keeps his girls at at arm's length um he keeps a lot of uh, people in his uh, life at arm's length uh even though he enjoys their company and all that stuff um and he would really like to indulge in it he he's compelled by by the work that he feels that he has to do um and he he tries to be careful um and we'll see the consequence of that later on here's the russians uh in their front which is uh, uh, a uh taxi i think i'm saying that right uh which was in the motion poster that they released a while back before the uh, the season came out um i i mean i remember seeing the taxi and and, and i knew that that was going to be pretty important here we understand fully um that this is the front for the russians this is how they um get around and how they're able to acquire uh multiple buildings uh including this one um, and here the Russians are not in a good predicament. Um, we're seeing that uh, Wesley here is, you know, he, he's he's not here to threaten these guys. 
That's not what he does. That's not his style. But he's here to ask, you know, hey, where are we with uh, taking care of this problem that we have with this one man, um, you know, kicking kicking your asses all the time, um, you getting your asses beat, you know. We're we're not happy about that, and, and it's funny because you know he's not going to threaten them, but he probably should, <laughs> because he knows his employer Wilson Fisk will go ape shit crazy if uh, if if he doesn't, or or if the Russians don't. There's a good reference to uh, to Thor and to Iron Man right there. Um, I haven't pointed out a whole lot of um, Easter eggs. But I feel like I'll, I'll point out the ones that are important when I come across them. Um, but there was uh, one that was in uh, uh, the, the second trailer. Um, and obviously it still works really well there. He says it, it's an opportunity. You know, he's not, you know, he's not threatening them. Because that's not, that's not really Wesley's style. You know, he always is diplomatic in everything he does. Um, that, that's the one thing about Wesley that makes him different. You know, he subverts a lot of, uh, the viewers expectations of him because he's not your typical henchman of the kingpin. You know, he, he dresses nice. He's very polite. He actually doesn't carry a gun on him and he doesn't threaten people. You know, he actually really, really takes delight in, um, when people get to, work together and you know a lot of things are happening in a really positive manner he you know he never talks back to wilson fisk you know he's always there for him and he's always inside of his head he always knows what 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 uh what kingpin would ask of him and so he he's very much a diplomat diplomatic person you know he likes to keep the peace between um kingpin and his relationship with all of uh with all the people that um that are in his circle with the russians madame gaonobu and leland um those five sort of heads uh, of this this uh underworld empire um you know a lot of it has to do because uh, wesley is a good conduit and and he really does uh bridge the gap and keeps the peace between all these guys who can be become hot-headed at, at any second um so he likes to keep the peace between uh fisk's inner cir- inner circle but matt murdoch's function right now in this episode it's a different type of justice here he's um, actually going to actively play a role in disrupting kingpin's empire and um, bringing disunity and just turning people against each other so that way they can kind of bite each other's uh heads off which is uh which is the only way that you can go if you're a vigilante you know to try and disrupt something you know he's not he's not a killer um those aren't his methods um there's someone else's methods but um but he's he's really doing a good job whether he kind of realizes it or not in disrupting uh, uh, the uh, all, all the criminal activity that's going on here, and luckily in this first season, it's all connected. You know, you it's all spelled out for us as to who the the enemies are. I feel like in future seasons, it's not going to be the Russian mob or the whatever mob. I feel like it's going to be more about individuals and people and 
different people doing the, the dirty work for Wilson Fisk. I mean, because right now the Russians are doing everything. They are Kingpin's foot soldiers. Um, they have a really heavy hand in doing a lot of stuff. In, in episode one, we see that they're involved in human trafficking. Episode two, we see that they're involved with the kidnapping with, with a boy. Um, we see that they're into firearms dealing, extortion, um, helping Madame Gao with, uh, with getting her drugs out or getting her, her blind people um, in and out um, that work on, uh, on, on the heroin and stuff like that. So the Russians are a very, very big threat. And the fact that uh, Daredevil takes these guys on is uh is very brave and very noble and is kind of the reason why it, he uh picks up sticks later on he gets more padding on his armor um and he kind of progresses his uh his, his outfit as as the show goes along here we get Ben Yurk talking with uh with Karen Page uh, she wants to to kind of have a truce she wants to team up to kind of um, give her information to Yurik so that way he can um, write a story, expose people, and and bring uh, uh, bring Fisk down and bring a lot of the other companies, uh, a lot of his subsidiaries down. Um, but Ben isn't really interested in uh, sticking, sticking his neck out there, um, <laughs> you know, not to foreshadow uh, his, his demise. But he doesn't like to stick his neck out. Um, it, he says, uh, you know, he he's gotten a lot less stupid. You know, he's he's looking at his younger self. You know, Karen is uh, uh, spunky. Uh, you know, she's trying to really, really make a difference um, and use the resources around her. Um, and old Ben Kenobi here just isn't having any of it. He doesn't. Uh, he's not sure if he wants to put himself out there. Now this is a great scene. This is this guy in the hospital bed is the guy that got thrown off the roof in uh, the second episode. Um, he's here. He's alive. He's been recovering for a couple episodes now, um, and he's been in extensive care. Here he's getting a visit by uh, by the Russian brothers um, because they need to uh, to find out any information that they can about. Uh, this this man in the mask, um, they call him man in the mask. They call him. Do they call him the black mask? I don't think so. Uh, they call him the mask, which is horrible. <laughs> they call him uh, the man in black, which is also horrible. Makes me think of MIB. Um, just terrible names. But here in this scene is where one name surfaces, one name above the rest, which is endearing and which is really cool. Here is where we get the very first mention of the term the devil. This guy is going to refer to Matt as the devil because, you know, he cut his eye open, he beat him, and just when he got enough out of him, he threw him off the roof <laughs> after he was done with him. Uh, very, very questionable methods uh, Matt Matt was doing there. Um, but he's earned himself the nickname. And, and really, that that's kind of why he... That's what was so great about that episode. He went to such extreme lengths to get the answers that he wanted to find the boy. But he really doesn't go 
that dark ever again um, in the season. I doubt that he will um, in the series as a whole. Uh, I think he'll be contrasted by other uh, figures um, that will sort of, you know, he starts dark and then he gets lighter by contrast. Um, by the contrast of the people who he's going up against um, throughout the uh, throughout his series, uh, much in the same way that he he did in in the um, in, in the uh, in the Daredevil film, where you know he let a guy die, you know, in that movie, and then just by contrast, just by virtue of how he contrasts with uh, with Wesley Owen Welsh, Welch Wesley. <laughs> was his name Welch like the drink um and the kingpin and bullseye you know it, it, daredevil's a shining figure compared to those guys um so here uh, it's the same kind of beat where he starts off dark and then by virtue of contrast um uh, with the people that he's facing um he just is a shining beacon of 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 hope um I I can only imagine if he went up if he guest starred in like a Captain America movie or an Iron Man movie or even a Spider-Man film um like a Spider-Man team up how he would contrast to them um it'd be hard for him to to kind of team up with with them because he would be a darker figure by by contrast and and that's always the thing with Daredevil is that He's a flexible figure. Sometimes he can appear dark, but sometimes he can appear light. And I think that they're going to do that um, in the later episodes here and also in the future seasons. Uh, for a few episodes now, I've been talking about uh, The Punisher just in passing. Um, those episodes were created before the official announcement that uh, or, or even, you know, nobody even knew that there were even rumors about this, I, I don't think that there were any rumors about this, but it has been confirmed that Punisher will be in season two. This is brand new information um, uh, up to this date, um, but it's something that I've been talking about uh, for the last couple episodes. So it's one of those things to where if if I talk enough, I could talk myself into a prediction. Um, that's kind of why I've taken up the name uh, the Daredevil Prophet. It's something that I kind of see where it's going based off of the information that's given to me you know the devil is in the details and i like to pay attention to those details um and so uh, i think daredevil and punisher you know punisher will be obviously a darker figure than daredevil um um because of his methods of killing um he's not a, a sense a senseless killer but he is an executioner um which contradicts Matt in his character because essentially Daredevil is an extension of the justice system. That's really kind of what he predicates um, his Daredevil mantra on because above anything else, you know, Daredevil could feel like a guy is completely guilt guilty, but he still won't kill him. He still wants to have somebody tried you know it, it, in court you know he wants the legal system to do its job and to prevail and he wants to have those checks and balances be utilized 
um, in their proper capacity. And so even if he knows somebody's guilty, he still won't kill them. Let me take a break here to just mention how great uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's acting is in this scene. Um, this scene just gets me so much. Um, his mannerisms, uh, the way he's touching his uh, his his cufflink there, you know, he's he he's conflicted. He's he's a conflicted individual as well, um, because he thinks he doesn't deserve um, a, a a companion. He th- he feels like. You know, his life has become something to where he can't afford a, a relationship. Um, and not all, not only that, but, um, you know, he is just really, really uh, vulnerable uh, to letting himself open. But he does let himself open, and this is the first time he announces his name uh, in public. And it's, uh, it's to a beautiful woman, uh, Vanessa. Um, so it's, it's really, really, um, the acting is really great. Um, just the way that he takes a step back, he hesitate. There's a lot going on in that, in in that scene. And, uh, it's definitely one of the highlights of this, of, uh, of Vincent D'Onofrio's, uh, uh, acting. Um, and I also think it's one of the highlights of the, of the series. Really, really great. Um, really great stuff there. Uh, very, very true. Um, to the character um, and true to the moment uh, as well. Um, it gives us a glimpse. Um, he he described him as a as a child and a monster, um, and so he's definitely he's definitely playing that uh, that child aspect up. Um, which the last time I've seen somebody act as a child mixed with a monster was Attack of the Clones. You know, Anakin was you know he was trying to be his young annie self and also foreboding of the uh of the darth monster that he would become um but uh i think it's really effective here uh acting was was pretty good in in both of those um but here within the context of the story and the structure of the story um to where everything makes more sense and everything is connected uh, a lot better. Uh, it, it plays off uh, a whole lot better. Here's a cameo by Foggy Nelson. This is the the uh, the only scene that we get of him in the episode, um, simply because Karen is uh, uh, doing her own thing with with Ben Yerick, and Matt is uh, doing his own thing with uh, uh, with Claire uh, within the confines of the story. Um, so. Foggy kind of left out in the dark in this episode um, and we use it to just sort of see him take a look back at, at what he misses at a, at his old law firm uh, L&D or sorry LNZ uh, Lamin and Zach um, which they show in a later episode but um, but a lot of stuff you know the meat carving thing is a is an ongoing joke um and here Matt is running off to to go save Claire throws his stuff in the his cane in the dumpster and this is really really great um 
really great stunt work right here. Um, but this is this is exactly what Matt feared with letting people in his life. Um, they've traced. Uh, they went back essentially to the house um, that uh, that that the first guy investigated before. They went back to that same building and and found uh, uh, found. Uh, Claire's uh Claire's apartment which is not really her, her apartment I think she's a uh, cat sitting I think she said um so I don't think that that's her place necessarily um but uh, of course this was going to happen um Matt's worst fears have been realized and uh and he's going to try his best to to chase him on foot um Daredevil really needs a Daredevil mobile I think he would get around a lot faster and he would be able to keep up with these taxis. Um, or else it's just going to be a nightmare. But as I was saying uh, before w w with Punisher, you know, just really excited. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, with Spider-Man, uh, Kevin Feige talked about how, you know, Spider-Man in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is already sort of established. He's already out there web-slinging, um, but he just doesn't have the reputation right now to kind of explode onto... Um, uh, I think his first appearance is going to be Civil War. But um, much in the same way that Spider-Man is already established in the MCU, even though we haven't seen him in the MCU proper just yet, um, I, I believe the same is true with... Uh, with uh with the punisher because there's this little film or actually there's a couple couple of movies that are that are done by uh madhouse it's this manga style uh cartoon um i, I think it was just like a straight to uh straight to video uh release which is the iron man title and the subtitle is rise of the technivore now rise of the technivore is a cool little um Almost like a Iron Man three esque. I think it happens before Iron Man three or after episode or after Iron Man three. Um, to where it's a, it's a really really good callback to the first Iron Man. It deals with Obadiah Stane's son. He gets a hold of these sort of um, super advanced uh, genetic. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's just this weird, you know, manga st stuff that they kind of come up with all the time. Um, but it, it, it's a really good callback to to that. And, you know, it's got Nick Fury. It's got Hawkeye. It's got Black Widow. Uh, it's got War Machine. Um, and it looks like it's all influenced by what's um, happening in the MCU. And we also have the Punisher guest starring in that. Uh, in, in that little video as well. If you can, I really recommend to check that out. Um, if you're craving, you know, Punisher, you know, interacting with uh, people that are in the MCU, if you want a taste of what he's going to be like, um, it, it's a really, really good portrayal of him. You know, he's very, um, he's very quick to shoot people. Um, you know, the shock value of seeing Punisher interact with uh, with the MCU. And still be true to true to his character is a really good, um, uh, really good uh, video that will whet your appetite to see what Punisher will uh, 
will be like in the MCU. Um, so I recommend you guys check that out because it's actually really, really good. Um, the other one is uh, the sort of the follow-up to that. I didn't get around to that one. Um, wasn't interested in that one because he plays more of a part and, you know, it gets a little sappy, um, uh, you know, halfway through or whatever. Um, but but I've been telling you guys, you know, just saying, I threw Punisher out there quite a bit. And we knew that, you know, Punisher was something that was really, really um, big to uh, Stephen DeKnight, the showrunner. Um, so, and the filming is, uh, for season two, is about to start very, very soon. So I, I would imagine that they have the scripts all ready to go for Daredevil season two. Um, they're ready to go as far as the writing goes. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, Stephen DeKnight kind of, you know, I, I'm sure the Punisher was high on his wish list. Um, we really don't know who else is going to be in season two yet, but, um, but very, very exciting, um, to see that the Punisher is going to be there. So the reason I say all that, the reason why I bring Rise of Technobar, because I, I think that, uh, Punisher, much in the same way with all these characters, is going to um, he's going to be an established figure already. You know, much in the same way that they're saying Spider-Man is established, um, knowing that he's in these little uh, manga films now that kind of um, are in the vein of the MCU. Um, I really think that the Punisher is going to be established. We might even see him start out in prison. Um, I think that that'd be like really cool to where his introduction could be in prison or something like that. If not, you know, he'll just show up and start shooting people. And then, um, and then we'll get into his story as, as the, that season goes on. Um, here, Wilson Fisk is uh, again, holding his, uh, his, uh, his cufflings there. Um, it's something that plays into his episode um, a little bit later. But uh, Vanessa is taking note of this. Um, she's not a dumb woman. Um, she knows what's going on. She's picking up on these hints. Um, but she's going along for the ride. Um, because she, she, she likes the sincerity uh, with the Kingpin. Kingpin is really at a crossroads. Um, with who he is underneath and who he wants to be. I think when he talks about how, uh, changing Hell's Kitchen for the better, I think he really believes that. But I think he's also very conscientious of his true nature and of, um, of what he's capable of. And that's something that we see in this episode. It's set up in this episode. Um which, you know, plays up the name even more, uh, uh, the name of the episode, and also is really, it really comes to a head in the, uh, in the final episode with his, uh, Man of Ill Intent speech, which is really, really, um, you know, he, he's the kingpin, you know, he's, he's doing this, <laughs> he's doing this to, to Claire, you know, not, you know, directly you know wesley makes a point of you know when somebody shoots somebody that's for the kingpin you know wesley makes a point of you know well technically we didn't shoot them 
you know, when they shoot Blake in the, in, in the future episode, they're like, Wesley's like quick to defend Kingpin and himself um, because that's just who he is. He's, he's the diplomatic person. He doesn't like to, uh, to, to be, uh, uh, to be associated with such filth, with such a, with such a, a despicable act. Um, but it is something that they are indulging in and they're pressuring, press, pressuring the Russians to do this. Um, and this is kind of what starts the disruption, um, uh, with, with, uh, with the daredevil here, he's going to do this more disrupt, disrupting. Um, but just him being that straight arrow and doing what he does is causing a disruption for, uh, the relationship and the union between the Russians and, and the Kingpin, um, Really great laugh by Claire. Claire, a lot of great acting in this episode. A lot of, a lot of true acting. Um, I try not to bring up Batman, but uh, uh, you know, this is a very Batman esque uh, sort of fight. There's a lot of different styles and a lot of different um, themes to every fight, um, and this is something that's completely in the shadows. Uh, in the comic. In the comics, whenever he, whenever his Daredevil, whenever Daredevil is fighting somebody that he's um, not having an easy go with, usually what he'll do is um, is he'll kill the lights, and so he knows, you know, that he's no match for people with guns, uh, multiple people, multiple gang members with guns, uh, mobsters, and so what he's doing is evening the playing field. Because he can see, but they can't. And so turning out the lights is something that is a huge disadvantage to all these guys. And it makes it feasible as to how one man can can um, can take on this many guys. Um, so it, it's a very, very, um, very Batman-esque scene. And, and also before when, uh, when Ben Yurk was, uh, was kind of stalking uh karen page and they're at the the auction he just appears and disappears out of thin air that's also kind of something that's made famous by batman so uh, a lot of um a lot of weird batman parallels here um this is really great because if you're listening to this on headphones um he's actually speaking in one speaker and then on the other speaker so it's kind of like he's moving around He's as silent as a ninja. I mean, you know, the the influence, it, it's all from Frank Miller, right? Frank Miller did uh, Batman Year One. Uh, Frank Miller did um, did his run on Daredevil. So um, ninjas is something that he's really big on. And so the whole thing with theatricality and turning down the lights, it's something that feels familiar because we've... Um, it, it sort of feels like Batman style, but um, but here it's in New York, so and it's in the it's in the backdrop of New York, and it's in a it's in this taxi garage, so um, which which is a just it's just a very gritty and different feel to it, um, which by the way the whole inclusion with the with the taxi angle, um, taxi driver anyone the film. You know, it, it just, 
you know that movie is so grimy and it just it, it's so dirty it's it, it's great i love it um but i wonder if that had any bearing on why the russians front is a um uh is a is a taxi service you know establishment so pretty interesting uh thing going on there Here, Karen is meeting with Ben Yurik. He's had some time to think it over, but um, but he recognizes that he could have a a, a big story on his hands um, if he kind of goes through with this. Um, he's letting Karen know in this uh, in this scene, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, you're gonna get yourself killed or or hurt. You know. Don't put yourself out there like that. You need to be uh, more careful. Um, he's playing hardball with her at this point. Um, but her, she's one note at this point. She really, really wants to take down these guys um, properly. Um, she wants to tarnish their reputation and bring them, bring them to justice through this channel. Um, and Ben is entertaining this idea but he wants to know that she's not going to put herself out there like that again he wants to know that she's going to be smart about this um and so he's going to tell her to sign the deal with uh you know with taking the bribery basically the the money and she has to take a vow of silence but he's the back door He's the guy that can write the story. He's the guy that can put this stuff out there. You know, is it for greed? Is it for the glory of writing a, a another great story again? Um, maybe, maybe. Um, I I tend to question these characters a lot because I like to bring a, a I like to bring a little spice into it, a, a little bit of tapatio, light a fire under these these characters who are supposed to be good um you know poking holes in them anywhere i can i know i try to do that with daredevil obviously doing very questionable things um is he doing it because you know did he save the boy because you know because of because he remind because the boy reminds him of uh, of himself when he was a boy here ben yurk is um faced with uh, somebody who reminds him of himself so a similar theme of why these people put themselves out there and are doing what they're doing um, but I remember one of my teachers um, telling me you know you can't really help what you don't know you can't help what you don't know and you can't know what you aren't aware of and so it, it's one of those things to where you know that is a human component to where you know you do have to relate to what your campaign is um what stark's campaign is cleaning up all the messes that he keeps making uh big theme in age of ultron um uh, captain america you know he's just a straight arrow and he's just He's just a spear, like just going through all of corruption and just he's slicing and dicing. He's more of like a sword um, slicing and dicing and just, you know, he 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 
confronts everyone with the truth and um, and black and white. And so he's a he's a very very cool figure because of that. Um, and Daredevil is kind of doing the same, but he's kind of doing it for selfish reasons, selfish motives. Um, Captain America doesn't have um, friends or people in his like inner circle that he you know genuinely cares about. He lost all that, and so um, a lot of similarities between Captain America and and, and Daredevil. Um, one of the theme that I caught on to is, um, in the second installment there, uh, there's an introduction of a new character, um, with the sequel of Iron Man, Iron Man 2, you have the introduction of War Machine, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, you have the introduction of of uh, uh of falcon and in season two of daredevil we're going to see the introduction of the punisher um who's actually not a psychic um falcon is a little bit of a psychic war machine kind of the same thing punisher uh, is going to come out in daredevil season two so that's a theme that i'm noticing with with marvel how they roll things out probably why uh the hulk didn't get a sequel um and uh, and if there was a sequel to Hulk, it probably would have introduced She-Hulk or something like that. So, you know, who knows what could have been. Um, but uh, but that's a theme that I'm sensing um, going into to season two. Uh, another reason why um, Karen is. Um, it, it, Foggy Nelson bringing up the whole meat carving, you know, him being a butcher thing, um, which is what Daredevil is in um, after Secret Wars um, in uh, in the Daredevil and Electra Journal. Uh, he's a butcher. You know, he's forsaken all of his other senses to cater to his sense of taste. And so, you know, he, you know, grabs monsters or has a Electra. Um, who's renamed Collectra, you know, she, she brings in the monsters, he carves them up and, uh, he's actually a very good cook in a, uh, in an alternate, alternate timeline. So, uh, very, very, um, funny tidbit there. So here he's rescued, uh, Claire. Um, we know that he's fixed up his, his dad, uh, when he would come home from a fight so Claire takes care of Matt, stitches him up. Here Matt is returning the favor, which is a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, symmetry to their relationship. Um, but that's one thing that that's in that's one way in which they connect. But a way in which they don't connect is she's going to talk about how she's completely afraid. She's scared out of her mind. Um, and Daredevil doesn't have the man without fear tagline to him um they kind of played that down in this season um because he's not the whole phrase man without fear doesn't mean that he's completely devoid of all fear um it just means that he's willing to do the things that most people aren't you know he's not willing to stand on the sidelines and just let people um, do these horrible things to, uh, to, to innocent people. 
Um, so that's kind of the, the meaning that it takes on um, uh, in this season, probably in the whole series. Um, but it's it's a phrase that takes kind of on different meanings in the comics at different times. It's defined and redefined. So it's kind of a, a loose uh, phrase. Um, but he's able to sense Claire's fear here. And again, really, really great acting. A um, lot, a lot of true to moment. Gosh, they got a really, a lot of good, really good actors here. She says, Mike, for the last time. Uh, much in the same way that Wilson reveals his name to Vanessa, Matt reveals uh, his name to Claire. So this is very much about uh, our main character's opening up um, to people that they care about letting them in um, which sets up a lot of consequences later on this is also another really really great scene um, the thing that he feared um, the most you know he's probably been in that art gallery of hers many many times they probably know each other um, somewhat um, but it wasn't until this episode that he had the, the balls to ask her out, um, because he's also scared, dare I say, he's scared of rejection. Which is why he didn't want Anatoly or anything disrupting his date with Vanessa um, in the scenes prior. Um, but like he said, it went sideways. And now he's apologizing for that and asking for, you know, a second chance or just asking where she stands. And like I said, she's not a dumb girl. She knows little hints. She gets it. But she doesn't know how she feels. Kingpin takes that as a rejection. And if you're a man. And if you've ever loved a woman. Before you get that reaction. You get it. You feel it. Um, really 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 strong stuff. Um. Now here, uh, Wesley has done what uh, Wilson Fisk has told him to. He's put Anatoly in a car. They're driving to a remote location so they can have a meeting, uh, a civilized meeting. And Anatoly just came in at the wrong time, you know, and he's going to lose his life in a, in a few seconds here. Um, after Wesley is done spewing out this weird nonsense to him that no one understands. But you would think that Wilson Fisk is keeping him in line or, you know, taking his frustration out on him for uh, maybe for, you know, putting him on blast confronting him in public you know he's he's a guy that is is in the shadows right now 
The sense of burning wood. What the hell does that mean? Why? What? Why, Wesley? Why? You're so weird. You know, so we, we think that Kingpin is going to kill him because of that. But he's not. He's killing him because he ruined his date with Vanessa. There he goes. So here we get a lot of things that are established here. We uh, we establish that uh, that Kingpin has something in the lining of his suit here as he gets uh, his suit ripped. The whole knife theme again. The knife callback from episode one. But uh, Kingpin's got something under there protecting him. And here we set up that, you know, he is a very emotional guy. That really his, you know, his killing mode is activated when the people that he loves is threatened. Or, or, or you know, he went through a rejection. He's going to take it out on this guy. I mean, how... How childish and how monstrous is that? I mean, you can't you can't sum it up uh, in any better way. And just like Wesley subverts our expectations of of how he operates and 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 what he's like, the Kingpin, we're still getting across that he is this um, despicable person. But it's for reasons that you wouldn't expect. And it comes from a very, very um, emotional place. He doesn't deal with rejection very well, obviously. <laughs> um, and he's going to take it out on, on, on the person who disrupted his date. And that's why he's dead. And Kingpin is going to disrupt his own operation. Because now he started a war with the Russians. You know, he's... He... He's biting his own tail here, and he's also going to do that with uh, with Leland Owsley uh, in the, in the last episode, um, because he reacts strongly when um, when when you play with his emotions and and when you hit that nerve, you know he'll he'll kill you no matter what. He doesn't care if you work for him or or, or what. Um, you know he'll he'll kill he'll kill Wesley. I, I would imagine if uh, if Wesley ever did anything like that. Um, but he doesn't. He he understands the kingpin. He understands how to act around the kingpin, and so that's why he uh, he keeps his head. Um, but now Wilson Fisk Wilson Fisk has a war to deal with, um, involving his foot soldiers. Um, so we'll continue this in episode five coming up in 10 seconds here. Uh, thank you for listening. I am the Daredevil Prophet and we're starting in three, two, one.